Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. You've heard me talk about Tacovas, the company carrying on all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. Well, longtime listener Jeremy emailed me to say, Zabe, I was on a work trip to Austin, knew about Tacovas from the podcast, stopped into the store. Next thing you know, I've got a damn good pair of boots and I'm looking sharp with a nice buzz to boot. Giddy up. Tacovas believes in Western for all. And you can feel that when you stop in one of their stores and get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo at checkout. It's a $30 value and they sell out fast. Only at Tacovas.com. Today on the ZABEcast, how come NFL draft shows never give us the negative play highlights of prospects? I've got a theory, and I'm going to run it by my friend Kevin Sheehan today. Also, what was the reason several high-profile draft picks over the years were total busts? And are NFL teams learning something or anything from it? That plus the Rodgers deal is done, and we'll add up the winners and losers. Your 35-minute unfiltered Zabe Express is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Wednesday, April 26, 2023. Thank you for downloading. And yes, I missed the Aaron Rodgers news by about an hour and a half. Somebody asked me, you're going to go back and uh, do an edit to your podcast? I'm like, fuck, no. It's a podcast coming in five minutes. Another one right on down the tracks. Here we are, 24 hours later. Aaron Rodgers, deal done, New York Jets. I'm going to talk to Sheehan about it in just a second here. But uh, it's a good deal. It's a good deal for the Packers. It's a fair deal for the Jets. Seems like they got a little bit cold feet and they were trying to back away from the basic shape of what they had originally said they'd pay for Rodgers. They're going to have a fun year this year. Jet fans, uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. But you got one shot. Because I think it's going to go much like Favre's two years in Minnesota. Forget his one year with the Jets. That was sort of a detour. His shoulder was messed up. He was sending dick pics all over the place. Forget about that. Roger Favre's last two years, age 40 season and age 41 season, he was screamingly good at 40 years old for the Vikings and then threw that pick. That is forever immortalized by the great call by Paul Allen of the Vikings. you got to be kidding me. This is the NFC Championship game. And then the next year, Favre was not nearly so good. A little bit older, a little bit slower, got more hurt, and was last seen inside a chalk outline 
on the field outdoors as they were building the new stadium in Minneapolis, had to play outdoors, and it was a December game, and it was like, okay, it is over. I'm not saying Rodgers will meet that fate in terms of getting hurt at the point where you're like, okay, this guy can't play, but I think it's two years. They can get two years of Rodgers. You can have great, then meh, then retire. We'll not get to suck. It'll be great, meh, retire. And that's not a terrible price to pay if you're the Jets, good team, talent, ready to win with a good quarterback that knows where to put the fucking football, which is Rodgers in a nutshell. For Jet fans, let me tell you, the first time Rodgers puts that ball on third down and long, right on the right shoulder of someone like Garrett Wilson who's streaking open over the middle and then goes for another 30 yards, oh, it is going to feel like high school sex in the back seat of your car. It's going to be the greatest feeling ever. And I hope you enjoy it. And I think they're a playoff team. I think Rodgers is very good this year, and I think Packer fans don't need to root for it, but they shouldn't be mad about it. If he's really good, the Jets are a playoff team and the Packers are not. This was just the way it was going to have to be. With that said, let's bring on my man, Kevin Sheehan of Team 980 and the Kevin Sheehan podcast. We did a home and home this week where I was on his podcast yesterday, and now we run it back to talk NFL draft quarterbacking in the league, plus a bunch of other stuff as well. Here is Kevin Sheehan. Figured it was only appropriate I use the great Steve Miller band with big old jet airliner now that Aaron Rodgers is a jet. And with Kevin Sheehan joining me now from the Kevin Sheehan podcast, I wonder, are you a little bit bitter that the commanders couldn't get in on this? I just finished up the radio show and we had phone issues on the radio show because I wanted to take calls today on if we had woken up this morning and it was Washington who had made that trade, how would you feel? And I'd be euphoric, Zabe. What is, what, so you don't know what the people were thinking, but you personally would have been like, I mean, yeah. I, I do know based on Twitter, it's very split, incredibly split. We, we have a fan base right now here, for whatever reason, that believes in Sam Howell. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I hope and I'm wishing it to be true. But we saw him throw 19 total passes in a preseason game, basically, at the end of last year. Although, wait, didn't that last game against Dallas? Dallas had something to play for, right? They did. But but Philly was playing the Giants, remember? And if you recall, it, it may have been the worst game of Dak Prescott's career. They looked disinterested, even though, yes, they actually technically at the start of the game had something to play for. But Philly pulled ahead and pulled away. Right. And then it was like, all right, fuck it. Call the Giants the actually kind of made a late run. Oh, they did. Spent, okay, yeah, they put it in doubt. But um, but Dallas did not look super interested that particular Sunday. Yeah. Well, we are right now in the throes of the dick, as I call it, the draft industrial complex, the DIC, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and 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 the big dick energy for the draft it's, it's industrial. A, it's a it's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah, it's a big complex. It is. It's a big complex, and I'm not anti-draft at all. I do think it's fascinating and. I want to explore a couple of concepts with you because I know you love football, love the draft, but I do think that the draft is overrated and overvalued and over-obsessed about because, you know, you go back and look at past drafts and look at any team's drafts and see all the guys that turn out to be pretty much average players or worse or busts, and it's a crapshoot. Nobody's figured it out. It remains one of the great mysteries in life. Who can play on Sundays that looked like they could play coming off of Saturdays? Still a great mystery, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on this. I've never been – I mean, even though our very good friend Richard Doc Walker would poke fun and say, <laughs> Sheehan's big board and Sheehan, where do you have him? I, I've never had a big board. Um, I've never been – you know, uh, I never immerse myself like many others do in the draft. And if you go through kind of the history of it, to your point, I think, you know, 35 or 36 percent is a good hit rate within three years uh, in terms of contribution, not necessarily star contribution, but just contributions. So, yeah, one out of three, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. Yeah, 
I once used to think I was a pretty good judge of, is this guy got it together or is he a shithead? Forget the actual technique aspects of, does he have the arm? Does he have the leverage, the speed? I just always thought like, you know what? If I met a guy, talked to a guy, saw a guy, I'd be like, all right, this guy gets it. But then RG3 completely body bagged me because I bought in. I thought he was, and I believe the phrase I used, and I'm embarrassed to admit it again, is that he was unnaturally mature for his age. (laughs) When in fact, he was just a fucking delusional narcissist that had memorized all of the lines from the successories catalog about what it takes to be a winner in life. You know? Yeah. So I I got snowed. I got snowed by RG3. So I wouldn't be any better if I were in these interview rooms with these prospects going, I like this kid. He's a go-getter. I'm with you. I mean, I think you and I both kind of consider ourselves to be keen observers of the human condition. <laughs> yes. And so, and so if we don't say so ourselves, um, and, and that's the piece that's, you know, always missing. Like we're, you know, as fans, we're not in the interview rooms. Um, I, you know, I like you feel like if I were in the interview room, I would be able to you know, basically parse out the, the a-holes versus yes. the guys that were like, as Cooley used to say, really love football. <laughs> you know, he was the first one to kind of introduce us to the most important thing is that they really love okay. football. Yeah. Cause Cooley you know? walked us through it and he would yeah. say, he would explain, here's what it's like in training camp. Here's how your body feels. Here's where you are mentally. And I think many fans have a hard time understanding that a guy could get all the way to the NFL, right? And still not really like football. But they right. can and they do. So I got a I got a list of some of the past busts and why they were a bust in retrospect. And I'm going to ask, do you think if teams are learning anything about this? But before we get to that, I I, I was watching the uh one of the NFL ESPN NFL highlight draft shows with our friend Greg, Greg Gosell and Sal yeah. Pal. And I love those shows. Right. And I've, I've always been, I've been pretty skeptical of both Levis and Richardson just because they didn't really jump off the page in college per se with their teams. Uh, skill wise, they, they have the skill sets they say, but after watching these couple little, you know, snippets on both guys, I'm like, fuck it, get them. This guy's going to be great. So it was because of a couple of good highlights that kind of swayed me, you know, seeing is believing, right? So it dawned on me, Kevin, does anyone that you know of ever show extensive negative highlights of NFL prospects by going, okay, well, you like his arm, you like this, but watch this, this, and this. This is where the guy really screws the pooch. You almost never see it. That's a really good point. Like you, you have to be a college football fan, and I am. Like I actually enjoy Saturdays, love Saturdays more than even Sundays. And I watched Anthony Richardson a lot this year, and okay. in watching him, I was enamored with him. I remember watching him on Labor Day Saturday night. It was, you know, it was one of the big uh, highlight games that first weekend, and. They played one of the best college football games of the year against Utah. Both quarterbacks that night were phenomenal. And I'm like watching Richardson, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, and I came in the next Monday, and I'm like, this dude is easily a first-round pick. And then I watch the rest of the year, and I'm like, oh, my God. His, he, he throws so inaccurately, and you can see what it is. It's like you don't have to be a quarterback guru or an expert to see bad footwork and bad technique. And I'm like, that seems to be a problem. And I remember Mike Shanahan telling me many years ago, he said, throwing with anticipation is the most kind of innate thing in terms of the physical characteristics that you look for. You can improve it, but you'll never be elite if it's not there naturally. And he threw inaccurately when he was throwing with anticipation and needed to see receivers kind of open to a certain degree. So that concerned me. But yet I was watching a six foot four inch, 250 pound dude who ran like four, four running over people and could throw it 80 yards. Yeah. They show Um, a highlight of him turning down several receivers who are covered and then tucking it and running it to the weak side where he saw the field was open and he ran for a 40 yard touchdown not a 40 yard gain that ended at the 12 
but into right. the fucking paint, right? And they were saying yeah. on the show, they're like, how many guys do that? And then they casually dropped, oh, by the way, he also ran for a 60 and an 80-yard touchdown this year. Who the fuck does that at quarterback? And so I'm like, I'm all into it. So why don't they show more negative plays? I have a theory on this, okay. and it's twofold. One is they feel, uh, by they I mean like the big networks like ESPN, NFL Network, I think they feel a real responsibility to not necessarily introduce into the bloodstream negative narratives that could hurt a kid's stock and cause him uh, to lose money or position. I think they're very sensitive to that. Secondly, I think they know that the, the draft is the hype business. So you want to hype people up about these guys. You don't want to show when they throw it into the dirt with uh, goofy foot, wrong foot, footwork on a simple play because that's not adding to the hype. What do you make of my theory as to why you rarely see negative highlight sizzle reels of any prospect ever? Well, you can't even Google, you know, like Anthony Richardson negative highlights. All you get are highlight reels, and they're all the best plays from his career. So, I don't know. That theory is as good as any. I mean, the the thing, though, is if you did, you know, introduce into the bloodstream the flaws, that's still titillating um, and exciting and isn't going to draw, you know, isn't going to push viewers away from the draft it's going to add more intrigue in right case you would you would think although i believe that like they'll say a player's negatives or they'll speak yeah, they about will. his flaws they don't show it though because we're such a we're visual creatures and and it seeing is believing right so and we can eventually just get bill tobin to scream at you know <laughs> Kuiper and just say what what did he ever play he never had a never wore jock strap in his life I right think was the quote. but then but then you get it's so funny like even the little bit littlest bit of potential negative sort of stuff in the bloodstream sometimes gets this ferocious pushback like with the brady quinn C.J. Stroud comments right. about the Manning Academy. And I'm just like, man, this is a whole big to-do about nothing. Did you see the Will Levis thing from last night? Oh, my God. Will- Apparently, the, yeah. So the, the betting odds, because now you can wager on the draft. She and you loving football and loving the draft and <laughs> loving I've wagering. I've not wagered ever on the draft, just so you know. Why not? I'm a degenerate to a certain degree because a lot of the prop stuff uh, often doesn't interest me. Um, now there are prop things within games that interest me, but this kind of thing doesn't interest me. You're, you're I mean, look, the, it, it could with be the fun. draft in, in Come particular, on. the storylines and narratives on these players change so much. Like I know we'll love this. Well, so, so the, go there, ahead. there's, a, there's a, so now with all the gambling that's saturated sports, there is a robust betting market on the NFL draft. I've seen odds for every team, in terms of what position goes first for every single team, all 32. And I quickly found myself going, oh, shit, that's a good bet. I should probably bet that. But that said, the betting market on Will Levis going one slash one was something like 80 to one a night ago. And then because of one Reddit poster. Reddit post, exactly. That claims to know Will Levis's family and hearing him say he's going to Carolina. (laughs) The odds have plummeted to just four to one overnight. This is fucking crazy. Well, the so this morning I didn't know about the Reddit post when I was doing the radio show, and I was like, "How did this happen?" And there was one thing that occurred to me last night during what was, I think, one of the greatest individual NBA playoff performances oh, Jimmy Butler, I ever watched. Yeah. Uh, from Jimmy Butler, um, and your Bucks now are down three one. Oh, By the way, God. I still love the Bucks. Do you know that they are only plus one twenty five to win the series down three one? It's but in, that's it's inconceivable, uh, and it must be because either somebody knows something the the leaked script from the NBA office got out, or <laughs> the the uh, books are saying there's no way Butler can keep this up, or that the uh, yeah, I mean, he will keep he's shooting like this. Got to go for fifty six every night. For I'm, the, a, I'm afraid. I'm afraid as we're sidebarred for a quick second on this team in this game last night. I'm afraid that the uh, Bucks are one of the dreaded creatures in sports, and that is a regular season show pony, Sheehan. These teams pop up from time to time in the NFL, 
in the NBA and they preen and they prance and their hair and their mane is all golden and flaxen and they got the spots. No, oh, they're a pretty pony. They're great in the regular season. But when the shit gets real and that horse has to cross a raging river and it go up a muddy hill, it ain't worth shit. I think this they're team is a regular season. Go. I think this is a regular season show pony team, unfortunately, that's getting punched in the face right now. But maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because, hell, my station has about a month worth of content riding yeah. on them still being in the playoffs. Well, I, I, I thought for three and a half quarters last night we were watching easily the best team in the NBA, and I thought the team that would win it all. So I still think they have a chance. But back to Levis. So before I knew about the Reddit post being what moved the odds, when I was channel surfing last night during commercials uh, during the, the Miami-Milwaukee game, I came across the Manning Draft Camp special with Will Levis. Oh. I don't know if it was the debut of it, but I watched for about 10 minutes here and there. And? And I was like, wow. Were you in on Levis? Impressive. <laughs> I'm sorry? So it, it made you say, I'm in on this kid. Yes, he he was engaging. Yes. His conversations with Archie in particular were so mature. He came off as incredibly confident, not cocky, very good with young people, really good communicator. And I'm like, huh. The problem is, is I watched Will Levis and I bet on him a few times when he threw the ball to the other team like three times in a game. And I, I thought watching him this year, I'm like, this dude, every time he's pressured, the ball's up for grabs. But again, who knows? Nobody knows. This goes back to when guys like Peter King, who should know better, raved about Johnny Manziel saying yes, sir, no, sir, and knowing the names of every one of the executives at the Combine that he was meeting when the team sat him down. And I'm like, this doesn't fucking matter, Peter. Wake up, you dumb-dumb. And it turned out that Johnny Manziel was exactly who we thought he was going to be, which is a... Who was the Steelers running back who was on ESPN for a while, the guy that had 15 concussions? Um, Oh, I'm blanking on it. Le'Veon Bell, not the 9-11 truther. uh, Oh, Jerome Bettis. No, 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 no. The the white running back who oh Merrill Hodge, uh, Merrill Hodge, Merrill. I saw this circulating recently. Merrill Hodge basically told everybody yes that drafting Johnny Manziel that he wouldn't have him on the board until like the sixth round before that draft started. Right, and said it would be the biggest mistake ever. And, and Skip Bayless said, "You are totally That's wrong. What it was from, That's yeah. the worst take yeah. ever." Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Merrill Hodge is no longer on TV. And Skip Bayless is making $6 million a year. So what does that tell you about being right on television, on sports and cable? It means nothing. It's worthless. It's not a commodity that's valued. Because he was right about Manziel. He was right about Tebow when right. you know Skip was on the other side hyping Tebow to the moon. Uh, it, it's very de- depressing to me because I don't know about you. I kind of go to the experts who played on TV to give me their best credible estimate on who's good, who's not good, and it tells you that the executives there don't give a shit about that, do they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, w- with respect to gambling, for me, the former players are always the easy marks. You know, the, a, bu- a bunch of friends uh, and I used to basically hang on every Ron Jaworski word, um, <laughs> Tony Dungy the same way, because whatever they said, it was total go against. Like, they were just absolutely wrong in their predictions on games. But I think, you know, looking and evaluating talent and telling us whether or not you know the blocking technique was right or wrong is their level of expertise picking games isn't yeah well and even guys who i respect their work i understand how they're flawed now in ways that i never knew before like in the case of mel kuyper jr okay mel kuyper jr the father of draft gurus right yeah. He definitely grinds. He knows the players. He does his earnest work on, you know, who's going to be good or not and gets his opinions out there. Some things he's right on, a lot of things he's wrong on. But when he stood on the table for Jimmy Clausen out of, out of Notre Dame and said, this kid's going to be good, and it turns out that he sucked. And then it turns out I find out that he was a, a best man, either he was a best man in Agent Ralph Sindrich's wedding or vice versa for Mel that's when I was like, okay, wait a minute. And guess who represented Jimmy Clausen? Ralph Sindrich. So there are ties. There are personal human ties that absolutely cloud opinions, or if not, 
outright cause analyst to just say, you know what, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to pump this guy up. This draft is such a mystery. And every year, like, you know, two-thirds of the players that we obsessed over, that the draft people talked about for months, if not years, won't even be in the league in three or four years. And yet it is the biggest for us in this market, as you know, the biggest off-season spike we get. Yeah, well, because if you can't win the Super Bowl, you can always win the draft because everybody gets to play the draft and there's no official scorekeeper you score it yourself as a member of the media in that market so you almost always give yourself a good grade is there a more worthless exercise than the day after uh, draft grades no it's Um, completely stupid watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something something riding on the game but what happens when the season is over at my bookie there is no off season NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah. Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years. My bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country, or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Rosetta Stone today. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years. Why? Because it works. Instead of drilling vocabulary words, with Rosetta Stone you learn by matching audio, from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills that fast-track your ability to communicate fluently. Not only is it a more effective way to learn, it's more fun. Rosetta Stone's advanced voice recognition technology gives you feedback on how well you pronounce words. Other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said. Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages with lessons available on your computer, phone, or tablet. And with a lifetime membership, you get forever access to all the lessons for all the languages and never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, ZabeCast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. So I want to go through some names here 
and say, why did they bust when so many people thought there's no way this guy won't be good? And then ask the question, are teams paying attention? Are they stopping to go, let's study these cases and not make these mistakes again? Tony Mandarich, one of the all-time busts. What do they miss? He was gobbling steroids left and right. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, he's skinless chicken and high reps. Yeah, I mean, but that was during a time when there were a lot of people on performance enhancers and a lot of different sports. But yeah, I mean, I I guess that was the issue. But was he good technique-wise? Did he love the game? Uh, Was he going to dedicate himself as a pro? No, he was just bigger than everyone else because he was the incredible bulk. Desmond Howard with the Redskins, he couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. How did all the scouts not figure that out when it came to Sunday football that, yeah, this little creative whip-whap guy in college with the wide-open coverages was going to struggle in the pros to play wide receiver. Well, that's one of our all-time favorite Jeff Bostick stories. You know, Jeff Bostick was asked uh, after Desmond Howard's first training camp day, because remember, he was a holdout, and he showed up and somebody said, you know, can he play? And Jeff Bostick said no. And they said, oh, (laughs) is he injured? And he said, no, he can't play. What do you mean he can't play? He can't get off the line of scrimmage. If you can't get off the line of scrimmage, a wide receiver in this league, you can't play. Jeff Bostick right. made day one. Keep in mind, Joe Gibbs made that pick. Yeah, he loved Desmond Howard. I know. I know. Uh, Ryan Leaf. Good kick returner. He was. He's Super Bowl champion. Nice guy. Good broadcaster. Yeah. Ryan Leaf. What do they miss? Immature as fuck. That as soon as the least bit of adversity met him in the pros, injury, poor performance, he would react like a little child. That rant about, now knock it off, quit it, <laughs> was such a jarring, like, holy shit, this is a man-child we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I asked Bobby Bethard, you know, several years ago, because we used to, I mean, you guys did, and, and we have, we you know, when Bobby was alive, And well, we had him on the show at least once a year. He was just one of the kindest people and the greatest people. And I remember asking him one year, um, so when did you know that you had made a mistake with Ryan Leaf? And he said, the first day of minicamp. He said he was such a problem and people were avoiding him like the plague. And I knew that we had messed up because you can't have that at that position. Of course, he would have taken Peyton Manning. He had Peyton Manning rated much higher um, and but, he said, yeah. I was concerned about the personality before drafting him, but we needed a quarterback. Yeah, they often overlook these things. Uh, RG3, he couldn't be a pocket passer right away, so they had to cook up this zone read scheme to get him up and running, which worked spectacularly for a while. But he also had this delusional sense of self that completely alienated the locker room and they either couldn't sniff that out or Dan Snyder encouraged it by becoming his best friend. Yeah. I mean, the reason the demise happened was because of the owner, the owner empowered him, entitled him, became uh, good friends with him and submarined his head coach. But I remember, I'll I'll never forget this story from Mike Shanahan because we had him on a couple of years after he had left. I mean, I did. And I said, you know, were there any concerns? Because there's a misconception that Mike Shanahan didn't want to draft him, that it was all Dan, which isn't true. Mike said and went to Dan and Bruce and said, look, if we draft him, two things. One, we're going to have to play football a different way early in his career. But we're willing to do that. And number two, uh, I don't know how he'll handle adversity. And he described it because he said, He sat with Robert and his father in a film session down at Baylor in Waco, watched film, and he pulled up a bunch of the negative plays. And there were plays where he threw horrible picks, and he said, what happened there? And he said him and his father couldn't couldn't do it fast enough to throw Art Bryles under the bus (laughs) for a terrible play call. And he said that was a big concern. Right. And I was like, what is this guy going to be like if adversity strikes? And the injury happened in that Baltimore game. And the next week he was, you know, holding his own press conference after the Cleveland game after Cousins had thrown for 300 yards and they had won. Yeah. Uh, Then there was Jamarcus Russell. What they overlook? Purple drank. 
something yeah, that many of us drink. had no yeah. fucking idea was even that's a thing. But that's, yeah, that's because we're not from the South. Here's the Johnny Manziel thing. Manziel, of course, was undisciplined, small, and way too cocky. And here's Merrill Hodge laying it out on the ESPN. This is the bite uh, that you were referencing uh, earlier. Here we go. Uh, if he's a first round, shoot, even my really like top three rounds. He's a, he's a, a fifth or sixth round grade. If you have a compensatory pick, grabbed him there, but not in the first round. I'm sorry, I got a question. Are you saying that Johnny Manziel may not even be worth a pick in the first three rounds? Oh, I wouldn't. There's the, the project is so massive. There are so many so, major flaws. So, what are your thoughts about? people who believe he should be the first overall pick well, in the draft. Listen, you know, obviously it's not a perfect science, but I think people who were taking him in the first round, I if you first did, overall. First if you took it first overall, I would think that staff would be gone in two years and whoever <laughs> made that pick be gone in two years. You don't make that pick based on the other players that are available to you. You make that pick, we got a question, you're evaluating players and their transition and their ability to transition to the National Football League very highly. Merrill Hodge, with all due respect, you have never ever been more wrong in your assessment of a football player than you just were about Johnny Manziel. Not only will Houston forever regret if they don't take Johnny with the first overall pick, but he won't be a bust He's going to be a franchise player. He's going to be a star. He will make pro bowls. Cliff Kingsbury, do you know Cliff or have you crossed his path? Cliff played some pro football. He was Johnny's quarterback coach as a freshman, now the head coach at Texas Tech. When When I asked Cliff, will these skills translate to pro football, he chuckled for about a minute at me on the phone. Chuckled. He said, Skip, he's going to be a star. Pretty quickly, where should he go then? (laughs) <laughs> so there you go. As far as that is concerned, your thoughts? Well, first of all, what a great produ- production job by you. I mean, you make one hell of a producer. I just mentioned it, you know, 10 minutes earlier and you've got the audio well, ready to roll. It's Google. Um, uh, <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, th- these are the conversations that happen all the time. I mean, we could probably pull up a lot of them with people projecting guys to be stars that end up being busts. Look, one of the all-time – I mean, what's the biggest bust draft choice in our team's history? Is it Heath Shuler? Yes. At, I think it is because they desperately needed a quarterback. I mean, Trent Dilfer clearly wouldn't have been much better. Casserly wanted Dilfer. You know, as we found out, you know, many Shuler, years later, Norv, yeah, Norv Shuler, wanted Heath Shuler. Shuler apparently had a terrible wonderlick, which they've discontinued for this new S2 cognition test. Right, which hurt Stroud, but apparently those results weren't even accurate the way they were reported. But Shuler, I mean, let me say it nicely, was limited intellectually. Dope. And 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 so they they I mean I remember Norv uh, 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 saying that Brian Mitchell had to call plays in the huddle for Schuler because <laughs> Schuler didn't know the plays and and then by the way with his terrible Southern drawl they couldn't understand him. Oh I mean, my he, God! And Mitch, who, by the way, oh you know he's got his own book. Louisiana Cajun accent that takes he a little does, while. But B, but B Mitch was, was an still better guy and knew the playbook backwards and forwards. And so North had to have him call the plays. <laughs> so you've got to, I mean, sure, they could have figured that out. Maybe not Wonderlick, because didn't Marino have one of the worst Wonderlicks of all time? Apparently. I think Apparently, So that yeah. wasn't the, you know. It's not always the end-all, be-all, but, uh, you know, no. the responsibilities of a QB1 in today's NFL have expanded well beyond what it was in the 80s or even the 90s. True. You've got to be this polished presence and everything else and you got to deal with a lot of shit you always get the blame when things go wrong and uh you're gonna get the credit when it goes right but it's tough for a lot of guys with a big ego who has had who've had their asses kissed their entire athletic career so that's a tough thing but you know on the Manziel front just like other quarterbacks you mentioned you know uh who who really wanted to draft a guy Jerry wanted to draft Manziel badly and he was talked out of it by his son Steven uh, yep. And they took Travis Frederick, guard out of Wisconsin, turned out to be a great pick late in the first round. And Jerry hated every bit of it, even though Frederick made several Pro Bowls. And it was a case of, okay, you can't buy into the hype. You can't listen to Skip Bayless or the other guys who are just gaga over these highlights that that wow you. In the case of Dwayne Haskins, bless his heart, rest in peace, 
Danny made the pick, period, end of story, right? Yeah, and you know he's the perfect example of the maturity thing that you talked about before. He wasn't a bad kid. Nobody ever said that. They said he was very nice, but he was more interested in getting back to his condo to play video games with his high school friends <laughs> right? than, and, and, than and, study and, the playbook. And he the just, whole bowling alley party on draft night was uh, the biggest was a, red, was red flag. flag. Uh, yep. uh, uh. But at that point, it was too late. They had already made up their mind. And by they, I mean Danny, because he knew – Haskins in high school with his son who went to high school with him and was enamored with the stats, the stats he rolled up at Ohio yeah. State, not necessarily the skill set of could he play. So this pattern I don't think is ever going to give way in that there's owners just desperate for any quarterback that looks like he could be the guy. They're going to roll the dice, take the shot because it sells tickets, it gives hope, and you know what? 50% of the time you end up with a good guy. Yeah, I mean, but the the personality profile is so important. And we just saw last year the Jets whiff on on Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, who presented very well, but he's an entitled little pretty boy, blue-eyed, milf-hunting shithead. (laughs) Milf-hunter, yes, for sure. I think there's a genre um, that he could have been involved in. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, we're going to see it again this year. I mean, which quarterback it'll happen with, who knows? you know, the, how about the whole age thing? To me, this is a fascinating conversation because there, there are, are some twenty-four-year-olds in well, this year's Hended, draft. Hendon Hooker is twenty-five, and he'll turn twenty-six at the end of the season. Holy shit! Yeah, that's with t- all of these, you know, with all of these COVID years that were handed out. But to me, like the quarterback position, we're now seeing prime years in mid thirties. So you don't so mind Hooker's ten years away from that. All right. So you don't mind older quarterbacks. I, I don't mind older no, quarterbacks. I, I don't mind the older because I'm afraid they're not going to have it as many usable years. I'm afraid of the older because it says, well, you weren't good enough to go pro sooner, younger. Like the Brandon but, Whedon effect. Brandon Whedon was like 27, I think, when he came into the NFL. And it's like, well, because he wasn't very good. That's why. Yeah, but this is different because Hendon Hooker, you know, didn't have his first great year until last year. Remember, he was at Virginia Tech and right. transferred. And then there are a lot of older players now in both basketball and football because of the pandemic, you know, giveaway year. But, you know, the position, look at Geno Smith. I mean, we saw an example and we've seen it in recent years, even at Jacoby Brissett, who played well last year for Cleveland at 29 or 30 years old. It was their defense that was the issue for much of the year. It takes a while to figure this position out. And you've got to be patient. And the age wouldn't bother me with Hendon Hunter. There are other things that would bother me, but it wouldn't be the age. Toughest thing is all these players, whatever position, whatever college you went to, they've been the best athlete, the best player on their on their team since they were little tykes. Best player, kiss their ass, everything is going great. Not until August of training camp as a rookie this is the first time most of these guys have ever had their asses kissed, kicked, kicked, not kissed, right on a football field. And how you react to that, to going to bed that night, going fuck. I just got dominated by this nine-year vet left tackle. I thought I was hot shit. What's going on? And by the way, my arm is killing me right now. Does anyone care? (laughs) Where's mommy right now? It's the being able to process that and push through it that'll determine whether you're successful or not, and it's it's a real shock for a lot of guys. The Kevin Sheehan Podcast. Get it wherever your podcasts are distributed. And, of course, listen to your show on the Team 980 now in the convenient midday hours of 10 to 1. Much better than All mornings. Right. Start betting on the draft. It'll make me love you even more than I already All do. Right, All right, buddy. See you. <laughs> Let me end on this non-sports related. Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, two of the bigger names in cable TV news, both out on the very same day yesterday. Carlson leaving... Fox News per mutual agreement, Don Lemon being fired. Tucker Carlson will likely go on to some new venture, podcast, web-based TV-ish show, subscription service, who knows what. We'll probably get a deal, I mean, $200 million, 250 massive talent, and he has a big audience. Don Lemon's television career is almost likely over. I believe that uh, Cuomo, after he was ousted at CNN, uh, 
he's with some small outfit now, and he's like trying to resurrect his TV career. That's kind of the route Don Lemon's going to go. Don Lemon is a is a hack and uh, a guy who just <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a hack and he's a lightweight. All the things Tucker Carlson is not now. Tucker Carlson has become the face of the great Fox News. By the way, now that Tucker's out, will, pe- will liberals still use Fox News as some sort of put down against conservatives? Like, oh, you're just getting your, your info from them. Because, like, who's left? Sean Hannity? Sean Hannity is the biggest plastic intellectual lightweight ever, even though he is a nominal, quote, conservative. Will the Fox News put down still survive this now that Tucker Carlson is out? Who knows? Who's going to still watch Fox after this? I mean, seriously. They don't have much going for them. That said, you know, this is cable TV news. This is the opiates for the masses. I would see Tucker Carlson clips about specific things, and I'd be like, ooh, that's pretty good, actually. He's a very good writer, and he was speaking truths to power that most in the mainstream media, and Fox is considered mainstream, even though uh, it is widely regarded as the Republican channel, He was speaking truths to power that many people thought were eventually going to lead to this day in which Fox says, you know what, you need to leave. Now, this also may be part of the Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit, a quiet agreement of, you know what, now that you're having to pay us this money for the way your hosts treated the claims of Dominion Voting Systems rigging the election in 2020, part of it is got to you know, clean house with various hosts. And I don't know, I didn't, I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch any cable TV news. It makes my skin crawl. There'll be a segment that pops up from time to time and I'll see it and be like, "Hmm, okay, let me take a listen. So I don't know how hard Tucker Carlson per se went in on these claims by Trump and his wackadoo lawyers after the election regarding the voting machines themselves. But that said, Tucker Carlson is going to go on to do something pretty big. He'll have a huge voice still, and he'll be completely unshackled from any sort of corporate control. He'll have much more control of exactly what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. Of course, the platform of Fox News was pretty important to make him a household name. Here, though, was what Tucker Carlson had to say on a podcast called the Full Send Podcast about being in the media and how he has evolved and things he's embarrassed by now in retrospect. It's the kind of stuff you certainly wouldn't hear from a Don Lemon and you wouldn't hear from many others, almost anybody on the right or the left, but especially on the left. This is some good, brutal honesty from Tucker Carlson on the Full Send podcast. Like, I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like there's no, yeah, I know. I know. Cause you're younger and smarter and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me and you spent your whole life in that world and to look around and all of a sudden you're like, Oh wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem defending the Iraq war. Like I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? Mm. Well, what do you think? What is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets, not being more skeptical, calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when you when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Mm. So I say, you know, you committed murder or you rigged the last election before you attack me as a crazy person for saying that maybe you should explain whether you did it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for too long, I participated in the culture where I was like, anyone who thinks outside these pre-prescribed lanes is crazy, is a conspiracy theorist. And I just really regret that. I'm ashamed that I did that. And, and partly it was age, partly it was the world that I grew up in. So when you, when you look at me and you're like, yeah, of course they're part of the means of control. I'm like, that's obvious to you because you're 28, but I just didn't see it at all, at all. And I'm ashamed of that. Isn't that what the media tries to do, though? It, it's their only purpose. Right. They're not here to inform you. Really? Even on the big things that really matter, like the economy and war and 
COVID and like things that really matter that will affect you. No, their job is not to inform you. They are working for the small group of people who actually run the world. They're their servants. They're their Praetorian guard. And we should treat them with maximum contempt because they have earned it. The small group that runs the world. That immediately gets some people to roll their eyes and say, oh, come on. What are you talking about? The Illuminati? No. There are a relatively small compared to the population of the earth, which is what? Three billion people. A relatively tiny number at very high levels of governments and militaries and corporations and multinational corporations that have unbelievable influence in the way things are. And it wasn't Tucker Carlson the first to say this. George Carlin, the, I assume, left-leaning hippie from the 60s, incorporated this into a stand-up routine years ago. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security. Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. And that was the theme of a more extended rant from George Carlin. You can go look it up on YouTube. All right, that'll be it for me today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening and being part of the Zabecast Nation. Tomorrow, the boat captain, Mr. NFL Draft himself, Frederick J. Smoot, former cornerback, Mississippi State, Washington Redskins, Minnesota Vikings, Washington Redskins yet again. We'll talk to Smoot about the draft tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you next time. It only gets better. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know, maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules, you name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag.